It was about 2009, I had just graduated from Pivot Ministries, and I initiated the first ever GED program there. GED, the General Equivalency Exam, it's a program designed to help students improve their math and language skills in preparation for the GED test. They say about 30% of the men that come through Pivot, they don't have their high school diplomas. And being a former special ed teacher, this concerned me. So I started this program. And I taught the class myself, um, even in addition to my other program duties. And at times, it became pretty overwhelming. Well, after a couple of years of teaching the class, I received a phone call from a gentleman. His name was Paul. Now, Paul has given me permission to, to share his story. Paul called because he was interested in doing some community service at Pivot. During the phone call, I learned that Paul had lost his job. He was going through a legal issue as a result of a DUI. And he was stipulated to do 50 hours of community service. And he wanted to do that service at Pivot Ministries. During the conversation, I also learned that Paul lived in New Canaan. Paul had been a teacher at Greenwich High School for 20 years. Now, I need not tell you what I'm thinking now, right? Immediately, I'm thinking, man, can I use this guy? So I invited Paul out to the campus to have a conversation with me. Paul had been blessed with many talents, communication skills, and intellect, physical ability, good health, and what I selfishly liked the most was this gift of teaching he had. Now remember, Paul was unemployed, financially challenged, court stipulated to do community service, and he's out of his comfort zone at Pivot. Nonetheless, Paul wanted to begin teaching GE right away. He wanted to get started immediately. And it wasn't only until after a couple of weeks, the students began to tell me of how great Paul was. They began passing the pretests and the practice tests. Paul was really making a difference. He completed the 50 hours in five weeks. Well, on Paul's last day, he came to me. He said, Pastor Richard, I know the guys are, my, my time's up, but I have two guys. They're right there. They're almost there. And even though my time is up, I want to stay on board and help them get the rest of the way. I agreed to let Paul stay. Paul stayed to help these guys. And he, he even began to work more hours there, more hours than he did when he was doing the, the community service. He stayed to help, put in more hours, and about a week later, Paul said both men were ready. So we registered them for their GED tests, and shortly after that, we took them to their exams, and both of those men passed the Connecticut State High School Diploma GED. I've never seen two happier men, and I will tell you, you've never seen anything happier than for a 54-year-old man get his high school diploma. Our text today, the parable of the talents, 
it shows us the same as Paul's story. There is increase when we put our God-given talents to work. As a matter of fact, it pleases God when we're faithful stewards with all that he's given us. Saints, it pleases God when we are faithful stewards with all that he's given. So we're going to dive into the text to unpack this truth. If you have your Bibles open, I invite you to follow follow along with me. We're going to start off with verse 14. I think he's going to put those verses up, but follow along with me. Verse 14 reads, For it, the kingdom of heaven, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So who's the man going on the journey? You see, as Jesus tells this parable, the disciples don't understand that Jesus will be crucified and that Jesus will be ultimately raised from the dead, and that he will return to his place in glory. They don't know that Jesus will be leaving and sending the Holy Spirit to take his place. Instead of God the Son in their midst, physically next to them, the Holy Spirit will soon be God in them. The man going on the journey, friends, Is Jesus. He's the one who will be going away. He'll be returning to the Father following his resurrection. So as Jesus is the man going on the journey, he gives to his servants the talents. He gives a number of talents to each of his three servants. Verse 15 reads, to one he gave five talents, to the other two talents, to another one, one talent, to each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Five talents. Two talents. One talent. Now perhaps that doesn't sound like very much. But friends, in fact, this was a significant amount given to the servants. One talent at that time was worth about 6,000 denarii. One denarii was the usual payment for one day's labor. So the value of a talent was roughly 20 years of work. So what he gave to them was significant worth. What he gave to them was significant value. Then we read on, he who received the five talents, he went at once and he traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. The servant who received the five talents, he went at once. He went at once and he traded them and he made five talents more. There was no procrastination. There was no hesitation. He knew exactly what to do. He went at once. And the second servant, he too made two extra talents. He does the same. There was no, there's there's a sense of enthusiasm among these servants. There's a sense of excitement. The two servants are excited to be entrusted with such great treasure. And even more, they were excited to do something positive with their talents. They both went at once 
and they traded their talents. And then there was increase. They traded the talents and there was increase. The Greek word for traded is ergazomai. Friends, it means to work. It means to do, to minister about, to labor. And more specifically in our context, it means to make gains by trading. So there is a sense of expectation of increase. When we look at our Paul, when we look at Paul, our school teacher, Paul was eager to start teaching right away. Despite all that was ahead of him, he was ready to go at once and to share his gifts to the benefit of others. He was eager to work. He was eager to minister. He was eager to make gains by trading. Paul was willing to put his talents to use for the benefit of others. Likewise, the two servants were eager to put their talents to work. They went at once, and in each case, their original assets were doubled. Trading their talents resulted in increase. Then we read about this third servant. The third servant who buried his one talent. In verse 26, it says he's described as wicked and slothful. The master responds to his service by saying, cast him into utter darkness, into that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's going on here? What's going on with this servant? The master has basically cast him into hell. And you're probably thinking, that's pretty harsh. I thought the same thing, right, friends? Wicked, slothful, cast him into outer darkness, all because he buried a talent? Friends, I have to admit, I too was challenged here. And so were the people who heard Jesus speak this parable. Because you see, in the first century, burying one's talents wasn't all that unusual. As a matter of fact, it was considered safe and without risk. I'm reminded of the parable in Matthew 13. Jesus tells of a man finding a treasure in a field. Well, it was hidden in a field because someone put it there for safekeeping. Burying one's treasure was a wise practice in that time. So, to the original hearers of this parable, the third servant's response wasn't only safe, but it was the wise thing to do. He was the smarter of the three. So, why the harsh response toward this third servant? As we look at this parable, it appears that Jesus is stressing the importance of a person using their talent. A talent is useless unless you use it. The third servant wanted to be safe and not take any risks, so he buried his talent. Had he even attempted to put his talent to work, his reward would have been the same as the other two talents. He didn't want to take any risks. He just simply wanted to be safe. Friends, Jesus wants us to feel free to use our talents. He's the risk bearer in all things. He's the heavy lifter in all things. He's the one that even brings the increase. 
friends, he wants us to be free to use our talents, and he expects us to. So then we come to the big question. What do the talents represent? What do they represent in this parable? Friends, they represent everything we have, everything that God has given us, not just the abilities to sing and to dance, everything, our health and strength, our family heritage, our friends, our physical body, our intellect, even the opportunities that open up for you, their talents given by God, the very breath in our lungs, a gift from God. And the most important gift that God has given us, saints, is the word of God and the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gift he has entrusted to all of us. God has given us his word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, to the original hearers, the original application to this parable was to the Jewish people. They received the word from their predecessors, but then ultimately from God himself. But they buried it. They buried it where ordinary people couldn't get to it. They buried it in their rituals. They buried it in their traditions. They buried it in their pride. They buried it in their self-righteousness. They wanted a religion without change, without risk. They wanted to keep it to themselves. Friends, in the same way, we often bury God's word. You see, faith is a private matter. It's a personal matter. As a matter of fact, in our culture, it's something we value to keep to ourselves. We are more eager to showcase other aspects of our lives than we are our faith. On social media, we're quick to showcase our achievements and our acquisitions. We're quick to announce the new job or the new relationship, or the acquisition of new property. But sadly, we bury God's word. Sadly, we bury God's gospel. You want to offend God? Bury your faith. Bury his word. Bury the gospel. Bury that which he has given you. This was the service of the third servant. He offended God. He buried his talent, and it was taken away. Verse 29 reads, For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. So you see, friends, when we act faithfully, with what God has given us, whether it's talents, resources, opportunity, even his word. When we act, when we act in that way, when we use them faithfully, our capacities grow. There's increase. If we do nothing with them, the ability to respond and become useful, it diminishes. It's by giving away and risking what God has given us that more is given. So what's my so what? What does it all mean? It's real simple, saints. God is a God of increase. His word alone brings new life. It brings new life and abundant life and eternal life. And we're invited to participate with God by using the talents given by him.
We've been given the most valuable resource of all, the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, when we apply his word as good stewards, we are, ble- we are a blessing to others. And the value of what we do multiplies. Simply hiding away and saving it does nothing for anyone. And according to the words, it's considered by God to be wicked and slothful. So what's my now what? What do we do now? Trade your talents, friends. Our calling as Christians is to use what God has given us. Jesus doesn't expect us to receive such a precious gift and simply hide it. He expects us all to go at once and share it with others through our works, through our deeds. God wants us to be excited and enthusiastic to use with freedom all that he's given us. And he's only asking us to do what he's already done. He used his talent. He gave himself He gave his life. He could have stayed in heaven, but he didn't. He crossed many boundaries so that his kingdom would increase here on earth. He's only asking us to do the same. And he's given each one of us a second chance through Jesus' cross, through the cross of Jesus. We all have a second chance to do that. Speaking of second chances, back to my friend Paul. Today, 14 years later, far beyond the 50 hours of community service he initially had to serve, far beyond his first two successful GED candidates, Paul is still serving at Pivot. He's been employed for the past 11 years as the director of the GED tutorial program. Paul has been given the joy of 61 men getting their high school diplomas to date. Amen. Paul had buried his talent, but God gave him another opportunity to use it. And by using his talent wisely, Paul has been given more. His faithfulness rewarded. And in closing, I want to just tell you one last story about another pivot guy. He too had been given many talents, family, health, education, and yes, God's word. But like many, he buried it. He buried it in bad decisions. He buried it in bad choices. He buried it in his pride. He buried it in his thirst for success. He buried it in his drug addiction. And then he bottomed out. He came to that desperate place, face to face with outer darkness, that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But then he heard the call of God. And he answered that call. He too was given a second chance a second chance to use his talents. And you see, friends, I know this story. I know it well. I am that man given a second chance, given a second chance. Have you buried your talents? 
Have you dug in the ground and buried your talents? Christ is too giving you the same opportunity through the cross. So go and dig up your talents. Dig them up and go at once, friends, and serve for kingdom increase here on earth. Amen.